Hello everybody, this is a mini-episode where the three of us got together and reacted to a traumatic event that happened in American politics. This is not taking the place of a regular episode, it's just a little bonus. We will be back next week with a regular hour to an hour and a half episode. We're recording this on November 10th, two days after the election results came in. So we have reactions. Yes. Do we? Yeah. So, yeah. We, we do. So I think all of us were, were deeply disappointed. I can tell you about the reactions of everybody I know. Everybody was shocked and then horrified. And now we're still horrified, but kind of trying to suss things out and figure out what the reaction needs to be and uh, what things that we can do going forward. I was supposed to mention that last part. I don't really know what people can do on an individual level. So if you have good advice, I'm eager to hear it. Well, I mean, I'm with a political advocacy group or a group that does some political advocacy and definitely does environmental work. I'm going to talk about my reaction in terms of my subject area, my field, Mm -hmm. um, which is what I feel most qualified to talk about. Uh, To give you an example, I am on the board of a wildlife conservation organization, a local one, a regional one. And one of the things that we use as a tool is the Endangered Species Act. So a lot of times we'll go into negotiations with different agencies and say like, hey, this animal is being considered for listing. You know, we're biologists. Why don't we talk about some things that can be done to prevent listing from happening? So some agreements that we might be able to make to boost these numbers and and make it so the animals don't have to be on the endangered species list. If we don't have the ESA, the Endangered Species Act, then we don't have that kind of leverage. We do. Is that going away? Not necessarily. It's unclear what's going to happen. I guess that's that a lot of the problem. Oh yeah. Okay. But it's always been under attack. Oh. Um, specifically by Republicans. Um, now, being an environmentalist, caring about the environment is not a partisan issue. But it's become it's become more of a partisan issue over the years as Republican environmental champions have been beat out by by Tea Party people. Maybe those of you who are not in the U.S. will not be familiar with that term, but it's kind of a different breed of conservative. And now we have even kind of yet another breed of conservative that's the alt right. The alt right. Yeah. If you picture the stereotype conservative, you're picturing the, the Tea Party advocate. The well, again, the, the stereotype in the U.S., people in other countries might have different stereotypes. Hey, let us know. So anyway, um, some, a lot of our environmental uh, Republican champions have, have lost in races over the last decade. And Republican support is very thin. So now that there is a Republican president, Republican House and Senate, and there seem to be no recourse in the Supreme Court either. A lot of these things are... It's possible that they'll be going away and that uh, legal decisions will be decided in a in a way that is not friendly um, to the environment and to the other animals that we share our country with and this planet with. For example, it's been a Republican platform issue or, or position, rather, that animals in the U.S. should not be listed as endangered or threatened. They should not be listed if they exist in sustainable numbers outside of the country. Oh, put the burden on someone else to keep this thing going. Yes, but obviously that's a major problem if you have an animal that's an important part of an ecosystem 
if you're just like, well, it's in Russia, so why should we try to protect it here, eradicate it here? Who cares? There are some definitely some limitations of the Endangered Species Act in terms of protections, but it's what we have. So what we're expecting to happen is a major rollback of environmental regulation and um, a major rollback of environmental protections. It's unclear exactly when and how that's going to take place, but we're pretty confident that that will happen. The Endangered Species Act, again, uh, will probably be much weaker. On to another, another important and related topic, um, climate change. Uh, the U.S. is a signatory, currently a signatory on the Paris Climate Accord, the Paris Climate Agreement. At first glance, it seems like signatories cannot, cannot leave, they cannot abandon the agreement until four years. But I was just reading about a workaround that would allow the U.S. to leave in one year. Also, is there punishment for leaving? I don't think so. So, so, so like, you can leave don't. tomorrow if you want to. Yeah. If there's if there's no punishment, there's just you know. I mean, there's a there's a credibility not, punishment. I don't think that there's people who care about that. I think there are people who care about that. It might not be Donald Trump. That's I was when I meant people. When I said people, I meant Donald Trump. But we have a just because we have a Republican-controlled government doesn't mean that people don't care about our reputation. It's true. Abroad. And our ability to uphold our agreements as a country. Yeah, but you saw how quickly the Republican establishment folded when he actually became the nominee. They hated him. And then he was the nominee, and they're like, all right, party unity. What I'm hoping to see is Republican representatives stepping up and fighting for important issues. And Because right now I feel like I don't have much of a voice mm. in government. Mm. Now that the entire government is Republican-controlled, I think this is a great time for a schism. <laughs> I'm just going to keep this under 10 minutes. Oh, how are we doing? I'm assuming we're past it. Anyway, um, I also wanted to quickly mention I am today wearing a safety pin, hoping that that catches on. I know some people personally who have been harassed publicly and loudly. Um, in this case, it was someone's sexual orientation hmm. because she she presents as a as a butch um, gay woman. And that's kind of scary. I don't know if it's actually happening more often, but I like the idea of having a signal. And this is a signal that came out after Brexit to um, show that you're an ally against Islamophobia. So, yeah. Well, and other things, presumably if a queer person who maybe wasn't Islam or Muslim came to you for help. Right. Yeah. So, so in this case, it's, um, it has a wider usage, wider signaling power. Um, so yeah, originally after Brexit for Islamophobia in the U.S., it's being proposed as just you're an ally. You'll stand there if a black man's getting arrested or uh, if somebody's being verbally harassed, you will pretend like you know them. If somebody's being arrested, probably don't interfere. Don't in no. Well, that could be very dangerous for you. That's so what you saying. can record. Yeah, go ahead and tape it. Um, There's no tape nowadays. Uh, so my my main takeaway from all this was the forces that made Trump possible today are things that started happening, God, actually, I would say probably in the late 90s, but the absolute latest that we could have intervened to make someone like Trump not have a 50% chance of winning today would be like in 2008, around the financial crisis. And the fact that so many people are willing to flip the table on the political establishment 
with someone like Trump means that there's a deep and entrenched subpopulation that has been politically and socially neglected for so long that they're willing to make this sort of decision, I guess. They're willing to... Decision, 2016. Yeah. uh, They're willing to go through with this sort of candidate just to make their point. And we would have had to start actually paying attention to these concerns a decade ago to address this. I saw a lot of people saying on Facebook the next day, I feel sick to my stomach that I didn't do more over the last month to make sure Hillary would get elected. And I think that is completely the opposite thing to to feel because there is there is nothing anyone could do in one month's time to de- drastically change the voting population. Well, Comey couldn't have put out that letter. Right. You you can you can change what percentage of the people would have gone to the polls, maybe the voter turnout for one people or another, but you wouldn't change the underlying population no. fundamentals. But it's interesting. And so it's interesting how easy it is to sway into sway percentages in yeah. the short term. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, that kind of makes you wonder, if it's so easy to sway that, then how do we get the right person? Well, that's that's what Scott was saying, uh, that if this election can be decided by a brainstorm in Pennsylvania, making a few people not come out, a few percentage of points less people come out, mm-hmm. then your model should not be that drastically different. It shouldn't be able to turn on a dime based on a storm. So if you really want to actually prevent things like this from happening, you got to start way early. you got to change the deep past. And so my takeaway was that it's important to look at things right now that could have major effects 20, 30 years down the line and actually start taking steps now because if we get to the point where something like this is possible again, it'll probably be at the point where, oh shit, this is happening in one year's time and there is absolutely nothing that is humanly doable in one year that can prevent it. But if we had gotten started 20 years earlier, uh, we could have never been in that situation in the first place. That is what I'm going to start focusing on a bit more now. Things that are further in the future and that we can possibly steer away from rather than getting right up to them and being already over the past, past the point of no return. I think that's a good principle to live by and it's uh, tough to have such a brutal reason to set that in motion, but uh, I'll be super brief. My only thing is, I guess, uh, we can hope that things turn out better than the worst predictions, and, you know, don't be a dick to people. People voted the way they did, not because, like we talked about before on the show, they're not, they're not soulless monsters that just hate people, and that's why they voted the way they did. They have reasons that to them seemed good. Don't be a dick is the, t- is the main takeaway. You're not helping anybody. Certainly not helping relations down the road. So... Yeah, that's that's the, the one takeaway. There was an interesting outpouring of you mentioned you saw somebody where you know who was that you were worried that it might happen more often that LGBTQ people might be, you know, harassed more often, uh, or that might be an upturning trend, but there was a huge turnout of that community for Trump because they felt that he was the only one taking like real taking seriously like the roots of some of the violence towards gays in uh, other parts of the world and like in Orlando. It's, it's sort of a, of a digression. Um, Define huge. I don't know. Oh. A, 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 <laughs> I mean, I guess I don't... This is all stuff I've seen on like Reddit. Okay. Uh, so there's like a... Um, there's r slash aimbow. At least, for, at least some people. At least some several hundreds, but that's not like a large... Uh, 
that's not an enormous sample size, but it is more than one would think. I, um, I ended up being surprised that more than half of white women voted for Trump. In any case, we can quibble about percentage point differences, but it was surprising that it was a not negligent fraction, right? Yeah. Uh, I was talking with a friend last night on the phone, and I couldn't find a way to make it sound articulate, but I don't know what my numbers were on Monday, my, my estimate for the world ending in the next five years, mm. but they're higher now, yeah. and that would sound better if I could sign actual numbers to it. I don't know if they're they're so it's high. It's still that, very low, right? Yeah, I mean, so like it could be from point two to point six percent, right, or whatever whatever it is. I don't; those aren't my actual numbers, but you know, it, those are quite high. Yeah, they're. I think that that's actually roughly where people at institutions that are all for reducing existential risk put it. Really? They, they give us something like a one in five chance of making it through the century. One in five of making it through the century. I will double check those numbers. So ninety five percent chance that we won't make it to twenty twenty. Or to 2,200. 95% that we will. Oh, so one in five chance of not Oh, excuse me, yes. Okay. Uh, Yeah. The more pessimistic ones, I do know, put it at like one in two. Um, So, again, I'm not sure what my numbers were, but I I could feel them going higher. I experienced six months' worth of Trump anxiety all in like the two hours (laughs) leading up to like 1130 on Tuesday. Mm. Um, Oh, yeah. I could feel it going at least higher, but but it's still very unlikely. No, I, I noticed uh, the emotion of, um, what is it when you hope for things that uh, will happen even though you know they're not going to happen? Hope. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> but the uh, it was around 9 o'clock when I realized Trump was going to win, and yet I kept watching for another hour. I was like, maybe, maybe, you know, and that's... Like, deep inside, I knew it wasn't going to happen, but I kept hanging on anyway because I'm stupid or something. I, I went. Know. I went through some serious denial. Yeah. It took me longer than that. I was texting you guys at the time. Denial! That is the word I was looking for. Oh, no. I Optimist noticed part. what denial feels like. <laughs> yeah. My, my denial took the form of I was messaging the co-hosts here on, this, on our channel that, well, I'll just hide under my tinfoil hat and hopefully if Clinton's half as crooked as Trump says she is, she'll have the election rigged to swing back in her favor <laughs> in the next hour. Oh, um, one can so, only hope. Yeah. <laughs> but maybe things will be fine. Maybe he'll shut up and be quiet and he won't go out there and do half the things he said he was going to do. Maybe uh, he's not a cartoon and he's actually a nice person. Yeah, but like, part of the house is he's pretending to be this asshole for the last year and a half. And like, <laughs> underneath, he's actually super cool. Or like maybe underneath he's not even like as much of a dick, especially since like so much stuff has come out from like ten years ago that he was as much of a dick then as he is now. The quote uh, I heard was that on January twenty second, January twenty second is when he takes office, right? The first day. Yeah. On January twenty second, we will wake up in a world where literally anything can happen. <laughs> Do you feel comforted by that? I kind of. I'm, I'm gonna. Would watch... you want a toaster that works that way? I'm gonna watch. I think that was the... a Yukowski quote. It could be from Facebook. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm gonna watch the. The, the inauguration, because, I mean, President Obama is going to have to greet this guy who's been a complete asshole to him publicly. Well, he was talked to him. He's, he's, no, no, but, has, but I mean, he's been very gracious. No, no, yeah. but, but I mean, like, at, at the moment where, you know, Obama leaves office and Trump is sworn in, you know, to this this birther person, and... He's just going to sucker punch him. I, I'm going to just, I'm going to, I, I wish, right? <laughs> uh, I, I'm, I'm, it's just going to, I'm going to watch the handshake, Picturing that's kind of surreal. But anyway, it's already uh, happened. Yeah, obviously Steven. we don't know what no, no, happened. I mean the inauguration one. For me, that one has some special significance. Okay. Where it's like, all right, you be president now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You so know? there are a lot of scary things that could happen, um, but we honestly don't know what's going to happen. We we're feeling a little bit of we're feeling a lot of anxiety in this country right now and probably around the world. But 
that uncertainty is mainly what's the anxiety inducing, right? Like, yeah. Clinton mm-hmm. would have basically been four more years of Obama. And low variance is great when you're talking about world powers. Mm-hmm. You know, the world didn't end under Obama. Keeping it that status quo sounds uh, great for for survival prospects. So, like, unpredictability is not what you want no. in this. That like we've the, suddenly become conservative. I, th- I think the Trump voter wanted <laughs> wanted uh, you know like change, and they wanted to just you know we'll we'll take a chance. We want just to see things will get better. But like throwing the dice when a losing throw could cost you the world mm-hmm. is uh, not the gamble that I would take. See, here is where I really see the difference between me and people who are smart. Mainly, I just repeat things that I have heard smart people say. And moments like what I read uh, a few days ago really put that into perspective. When Eliezer mentioned how he thinks uh, people like Peter Thiel... Thiel? How do you pronounce his last name? I have no clue. Okay. Peter Thiel, I'm going to go with since that's how it's spelled. How he could support Donald Trump. This was also a thing I was thinking about, but I couldn't really quite come up with anything. And then I see his post and I'm like, this... This is the difference between me and someone who's legitimately smart. He sits and thinks for a while and actually comes up with something that sounds entirely plausible. And uh, his thing was thus that uh, these people have a fundamentally optimistic view of the universe. That the natural state is for things to be going pretty much okay. And if things are fucked, it's because the politicians are taking advantage of them and fucking the system. And all you need to do is get someone in there to shake everything up, give it a good solid whack, you know, flip the table and things will revert back to their natural state of being basically good. Um, that, that's that's a, an idea that I don't agree with. That's also an idea I don't agree with, but I hearken back to my days as a teenager where I just wanted to burn the entire fucking system to the ground and start over from the ashes because obviously that would be better, right? Which, which is one of the things you think when you're an idealistic teenager, or at least I did. I don't know if you guys ever were in that phase. Idealistic is an interesting way to put that. <laughs> Burn the world to the ground? <laughs> I, think, I think another aspect is that... But, but it's a fundamental idealism that things would be better if the evilness of the system wasn't in the way. I think that there's also... Some people have a block when it comes to like imagining the world actually ending. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think people have this thing that they think that can't actually happen. Because, I mean, well, it's never happened before. I've got nothing to reference for that actually happening. Yeah, the flip side of that is the standard conservative argument, what used to be the conservative argument, that the system is fragile, and we've got it going this long, let's not change things too drastically, because you could fuck it up and everything would go to hell. Yeah. Well. We, we got to wrap. We're past time. Okay. Yeah, we're way past time. I, I, I just wanted any... to mention one more thing, mm-hmm. which is that uh, somebody very close to me has decided that they want to take the Brian Kaplan beautiful bubble approach okay. to dealing with all of the all of the stress and negativity around the election, mm-hmm. um, around the election results. And I will post a link to that. So um, if you want to insulate yourself, then <laughs> if you want to insulate yourself, follow those steps and be a happier person. And one of those things is going to be to fast forward through this until we are done talking about it. Before we go on to the next topic. <laughs> no, no, because you seemed to not be happy with that. And so what is your take on the, the bubble? The beautiful bubble to, that makes your life happier. Oh, I'm not unhappy with the beautiful bubble. Oh, no? I'm in support of the beautiful bubble. Okay. I, think, I think this topic just has her unhappy. Yeah, um, I was unhappy with the topic because I felt like we were just blah, blah, blah. Uh, no, because it's, it's, it's really, I mean, there are a lot of people talking about why things happened the way they did, why people support Trump when we obviously don't. 
um, and it's very confusing to us and kind of trying to, to dig into people's motivations um, when they're things that they may not say or even realize that are their motivations. So um, there's a lot of discourse going on about that right now. And there's going to be a lot more in the upcoming months. We actually were hoping to talk a little bit about um, moral philosophy. So that's what we'll be getting to. This is the episode we had planned right up until Tuesday night. So uh, with that, we want to move on. Anyway, thanks for listening. Signing out. Thanks for listening.